Osiris. Godweed, Evan Heads, what the fuck, buddies, what the fucking ears. Uh, this is Will Nunziata, and this is Godween Evan, the interviews? What? I am here by myself with producer Mikey. Uh, we're going to try something new, um, and we're going to be interviewing people, ideally from Ween, but until we get to that point, we're going to be interviewing people from the world of Ween. Today we have Chris Tomato Harfinist from The Sound of Urchin. Uh, he was just here. We had him in Mikey's apartment. It was great. Now, why are we doing this? We're doing this because, A, it is surprisingly difficult to get everybody in the same room at the same time. I have never done anything harder than trying to organize the five of us to be in one spot in one time. Listen, we're older, we have kids, it was just summer, life is hard, I get it. But now we have to interview people. Um, and the other thing is, Evan likes Ween. I mean, that's the truth. Evan really, really loves the band Ween, and uh, we can't just keep playing him Ween songs. we got to figure out where the show can go, so we're going to try this out. We're going to do interviews, and the ultimate goal is you get to hear our voices. The other thing is we also all don't have to be here to do an interview. Uh, so today it was just me and uh, Tomato. Um, and yeah, so we're going to try to do some interviews. Uh, and also, I mean, the truth is, before we interview Ween themselves, uh, I know for me, I need practice uh, giving people interview, interviewing, being the interviewer. Um, because uh, I think it's hard to do. So uh, we can practice on people like Tomato, uh, who said I did a good job, so I'm very happy about that. Um, but don't worry, Evan will be back at some point. Uh, I want to say that uh, Ween has announced some tour dates since we've last spoken. Uh, they just played the Riot Fest this week. They're going to be playing... Uh, Desert Days uh, in California. That's coming up soon. And they just announced some Philly and Boston shows in November. Uh, I'm sorry, in December. Uh, hope to see y'all there. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to a bunch of people, uh, especially the Eugene, Oregon uh, Ween crew. Uh, they sent us an amazing, amazing mix of uh, things uh, like Edibles by Wesh, uh, some block prints with uh, by Echo Barrett and Wesh, uh, Button Eye Boogness Patch and a patch sticker by Cedar with Cedar Trees, a My Little Stony pin, um, uh, fucking a, a, my favorite thing, a finger puppet, a Boognish finger puppet by Sarah McPenguin, who is the same girl that makes those giant uh, ween uh, puppets that you've seen around. Um, we also got a pin from Brown Stallion, uh, who's a Ween tribute band in Oregon. Uh, and we also got some Oregon Ween stickers by an Andrew Amont. So thank you, everyone from Eugene, Oregon, for sending this amazing box of stuff. Uh, the edibles are amazing. Uh, I also want to say a thank you to Aaron Michael uh, for the new uh, WTF with Mark Maron-inspired logo. 
that you might be staring at right now on your phone. Um, and also, Mikey, we want to both thank everyone on the God We Never Facebook page, right? These are great people, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much. We didn't have an episode last month, but thank you for continuing to comment uh, and listen. You guys are very sweet. Uh, you want to know something else that's very sweet? Nugs.net. Uh, it is the destination for live music on demand. They have a growing collection of over 15,000 full-length concert recordings from bands like J-Rad, The Rock and Tours, The Boss, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, you'll never run out of live music to explore. You can listen to a show from last night or from 40 years ago. Uh, it's available on desktop, iOS, Android, Sonos, Bluos, uh, and just like us, the good folks at Nugs.net are live music fanatics, so they're offering new subscribers a 35% discount on an annual subscription. So go to nugs.net slash godweenevan and sign up today. If you already have a subscription, why don't you give it as a gift? Just give the gift of live music to a friend. Again, nugs.net slash godweenevan for 35% off an annual subscription. That was a goddamn commercial read. Uh, today, what are we doing today? Today, um, we have the one, the only, the hardest working singer-drummer in the business, Chris Tomato Harfinist from the rock and roll band Sound of Urchin. Uh, if you're a Ween fan, then you definitely know who Sound of Urchin is. Uh, if you've never heard of Sound of Urchin, um, hit pause on this podcast. Go on Spotify. Just... Fucking listen to their work. They are an amazing rock and roll band. They've been doing it for, I mean, 20 years. Uh, and uh, Tomato uh, is the lead singer and drummer. He's like the coolest Phil Collins that you've ever seen. Uh, he came over today. He hung out with us, uh, told us some great Ween stories, gave us a little bit of the history of Sound of Virgin. Um, he's a fucking sweet dude. Came over here on his bike and he's got awesome hair. I don't know what else there is to say. Mike, anything to say about Tomato? He's the man. All right, let's go to the Godween Evan interview with Tomato. Lock the gates! You know, Ween, Ween fans are the best, as you guys know. They are. They're the best really fans are. you could ask for. And like, the worst, too, at the same yeah. time. <laughs> but, I can, are we recording? Yeah. All right, sweet. Um, are we starting now? Yeah, there's no official start. We just kind of... <laughs> Mike will edit it up and, and put it all yeah, together nicely. I, did, I didn't say Ween fans are the best and the worst. Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> no, but it's got to be tough. So you opened... That's the first time that I ever oh, saw you guys. Right. It was New Year's Eve, 9899, right. at the West Beth, and you guys fucking killed it. <laughs> like, so hard. Thanks. I was going through old photo, I was trying to find like, I, like oh, my wow. disposable photo camera. Oh. It's somewhere in storage. Uh, but I took a friend to that show, because my other friend bailed, and he's a giant... Watch your hand. Thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a giant, uh, like, Rush fan, drummer, and uh, he came to the show, and I'm like, so, what'd you think of Ween? He's like, hey, they were all right, it's not my thing, but that sound of urchin, uh, they great. were fucking incredible. Oh, um, so let's kind of start yeah. at the beginning. Chris, you go by Tomato. Yeah. How'd that start? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
How did it really start? This is the funny thing. Is you know back then there was the AOL Instant mm-hmm. Messenger, and so I had two screen names, you know <laughs> whatever they call them back then, handles or whatever. Yeah. And uh, one was Mucus West, yeah. and the other was Tomato Eleven. Mm. Just like you know, just, just fucking stupid. And then so I'd use Tomato Eleven instead of Mucus West all the time. And then people just started calling me Tomato. And then Tomato came out of that when. We started Sound of Urchin. It was me and Mike Hewitt, who was only in the band up until, well, I guess for the first, like, two years. We started the band together. Mm-hmm. His brother is Dudu, the bass player. Dudu Brown. <laughs> Dudu <Yeah>. Brown. Which is <laughs> <laughs> funny to say now, yeah. fucking 2019. Uh, he, he uh, yeah, we started the band really because... Um, I was just, I was in a bunch of bands just drumming, mm. and I was sick of what was going on, like, in the bands I was in. Back then, if, if you remember, like, in the mid-90s, late-90s, like, bands were really important. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it was a real thing. It was competition, yeah. and I would join these bands as the drummer, and we'd do some good stuff, or mm. go on tour, we'd do stuff, and then just wasn't really, you know, I was like, well, I can't believe I'm backing up these, these guys, you know, they're trying to do the thing, right. they're following the thing, rather than making something that they were right. just making, you know? So um, following trends instead of just being original. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's that's what the state of uh, bands were back then. I mean, it was really like that. Like people were like, you know, you know, uh, we sound like a mixture of you know Smashing Pumpkins and uh, fucking uh, Spin Doctors and great. whatever. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like they like they put these mixtures together, and that's what they right. try to sound like. And it's like I. I, I thought that when I got into the city, or I thought when I came of age, you know, after college, I thought that I'd find some great musicians and mm. some great bands and some, you know, real like interesting music and and you know, I found some. I played with some great bands, but uh, anyway, on the side, I was making music with my cuits, mm. and all of a sudden, while I was in these other bands playing drums, the music I was making as Sound of Urchin, like people started liking, and I was like. Oh, this is what happens when people like your music. Like, oh shit! Like, yeah, the people come out. They out like the, the music. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like, actually, they actually like the music. Mm-hmm. And it was such a weird thing to witness because before that, being in these other bands and um, and I, people, I don't know if they even liked the music. They was just like coming to see their friends play, right. or we're trying to do the thing. Do we even like the music? Right. You know, like that kind of thing. And you guys were, and it's still are. Like, it's like a, a party band. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it's like you guys know how to play a live show, uh, yeah. and you know how to keep a crowd in your hands. Yeah, and uh, and also you're like Ween. You, uh, I don't want to call it genre bend. Yeah, but you definitely play other styles of music. Right. Well, that's the thing too. Is, is that you know again coming of age in the '90s or mm. whatever. You know, growing up in the '70s and '80s, and coming up in the '90s. And being like, wait a second, like, okay, we're here now, you know? Like, the bands like the Beatles, the bands like, even the Beastie Boys were jumping mm-hmm. genre, genres or whatever all the time. And, like, I love, you know, Slayer, and I love uh, the Bee Gees, and I love, Hell yeah. you know, yeah. Thin Lizzy, and I love Bob Marley, and I love, like, you know, you love all this music. Yeah. So, I don't understand why that's, the only thing you can do is bounce around genres because yeah. it's like you that's what you know. Yeah, you, you don't want to keep it. yourself in like a weird alt rock box right. for your whole career. And all that happened in music is it just started getting 
more and more narrow, and mm. now it's the narrowest it could ever be. Yeah. It's, be, it's, I mean, it's disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything sounds the same, right? Um, so, uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in Rockland County, New York, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, it's essentially Jersey. It's like, like mall. Yeah, like New 80s. Rock City? Is that Rockland County? What's oh, no, no, it's New York, New Rock City. Uh, it's somewhere upstate. Anyway, uh, all right. I grew up in suburbia, eighties yeah. suburbia. You know, everything. Mall, mm-hmm. Guidos, mm-hmm. you know, the whole freaking thing. And uh, But there was a lot of bands, and there was Battle of the Bands, and, you know, I was in, like, five bands. Yeah. was a punk band. Speaking of the genres, I was in, like, a, you know, a punk band. I was in a metal band. I was in, you know, the pop band that played, like, U2 and, like, all the, Great. you know, the 80s <laughs> shit, you know. And, you know, so that's that's all I did, you know, every day. Uh, I... I know you play drums. Yeah. Uh, do you play anything else? Yeah, I play all the instruments, like, you know, guitar, bass. And yeah, what, did, what, did you, what did you start with? Uh, drums. Yeah, I, I kind of been drumming since I can remember. You know, uh, like, as a kid, like, as like a, you know, like a toddler, mm. I was just banging on things. And uh, Why why drums out of all the, uh, the, the instruments? I was, I don't know, it's weird. I, I, don't, I don't know if other people say it, but I was just born a drummer. Like, yeah. If you ask me, like, what, you know, yeah. even though I play other instruments, I write songs and mm. I sing in the band. And, oh, yeah. You know, and I play guitar and, I, you know, I've never played guitar with Urchin Live, but I write, you know, a lot of the guitar mm. parts and then I give it to the, the guitar players at Bill. Um, and then, you know, he puts his own spin on it mm. and then or come up with the leads or come up with the melodies and on his end, but I, I demo all the songs pretty much, you know, it's just collaboration, but the original, uh, like basis of the song is kind of, you know, what I write, but yeah, drums, I'm a drummer. I don't say I'm a singer. I don't say I'm a guitar player or a musician. I say I'm a drummer. Yeah. Well, I'm, you are the greatest and most hardworking drummer combo <laughs> singer that I have ever seen. Cause most like singer drummers, they're keeping it real light behind the kit. Right. But you are going all fucking out the yeah. whole time. I don't know how you do it and right. sing at the same time. Right. It's impressive. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, I saw you guys once. You opened for Tenacious D. Oh, wow, yeah. Where, which one? So? It was in New York. Maybe oh, Roseland? Maybe it was the Roseland. You guys were all wearing matching like gold outfits. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember that you were going to be the opener, but I remember getting there and be like, what sound of urchin is opening? Right. This is fucking sick. Yeah. It was like, that's another one. Like tenacity is like another one of my loves. We toured with them. That whole, the whole, how, well, how, how does that happen? Uh, I mean, like, how do you get that gig? Um, well, we, I mean, uh, we got signed to RCA records at the tail end of, which is, you know, all this stuff is so funny because. Yeah. It was at the tail end of the record industry. Right, yeah. You, you hit a major label at the death now. At the death. Yeah. You know, I was, like 19-whatever, 99 we got signed. We were alongside of, um, you know, like Christina Aguilera was on the label. Mm-hmm. Dave Matthews, who was huge at the time. Uh, who else was on the label? Uh, in sync. You know, <laughs> so there was like, you know, TRL was going on. Right. So you weren't getting a lot of focus from the label? <laughs> well, the funny thing was, is we were getting a lot of focus from our, our A&R guy, who's our rep there. Right. We were basically their, their fun, artsy project, you know? Yeah. Which was great. They said, we're going to keep you under the radar. This guy, his name is Steve Rolbowski, and he's mm-hmm. the A&R guy. He signed Ween to Electra. I mean, I could, the story is really fun. 
Yeah, tell uh, me. He signed Beastie Boys to Def Jam. Oh. He signed. He had the whole Def Jam like first right to sign any band. So he signed Beastie Boys, uh, LL Cool J, and he signed Blues Traveler when they were whatever in the mid '80s. He signed. Damn. He signed the Strokes uh, to RCA when we were there. So they trusted his. He signed Soundgarden in 1988 to whatever label he was on. So. He, this guy is just, I called him the golden ear. And yeah, I just, man. I sat around and just listened to him to just tell me everything about, you know, just, I'd go out with him and have beers and just like listen to his stories and listen like. She used to be at those like early Beastie Boy shows or something and just hear it and know it. Right. And then having the, you know, the networking skills to just make that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, like Soundgarden before grunge. Yeah. You know, and to, and to go, these guys are, this is this, this is, is the future. future. Yeah. And he did it so many times. Chili Peppers. He signed. LL, Jesus He signed Christ. every, like, you know, these are the guys behind the scenes. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, too, we're talking about uh, what it was like in the 90s with the whole band thing. Mm. And it, in, the, in the music business, like, all the bands were, like, too cool for the, you know, they wanted to do away with the major labels. Right. But... These this, these major labels were incredible, you know? I mean, they're incredible to us. This guy was incredible. And it was like going to, like... It was like winning a, 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 like a MTV contest or something. Yeah. You know, we would go and, and, and you know, they'd, they'd give you money to record. Not a lot. You know, we'd meet producers. We'd, you know, do artwork. We'd do videos. we you know, we'd go hang out at the, at the label. And um, essentially, the Tenacious D thing, going back to that, is that... Um, uh, Steve, our A and R guy, you know, who wasn't really even like a manager. He was mm. just, he was just loved the band and he really wanted to see us succeed. And so he'd do is he'd just throw the music out to, to different people that he knew and whatever. Um, and of course, with the Ween thing, we had a lot of, we all had a lot of mutual friends in common. Right. So we just, it was like that kind of thing. So kind of just connected the dots and, and they said, uh, we were going to open up for them. Like, when Tenacious D was small, they played the Bowery Ballroom, and, and you know, even though it's a, you know, it's a nice-sized venue, yeah. but uh, it was when they were, like, kind of unknown. 2000, and I was there. Oh, you were there? <laughs> yeah, I was you there. Went, okay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so you, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the real deal. <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. Um, and, right, we were supposed to open that show because they, they really liked us, and then, um, uh, I don't know, one thing led to another, but I recorded with them, too. Yeah, you're on the... You play drums on Friendship? On the Crank Yankers uh, song, uh, show that they That's, did Friendship. Yeah. I got... Sunday afternoon, I'm sitting at home, and I get a call. You know, we don't have cell phones. Right. I get a call, and it's like, you know, somebody at the studio, and they're like, uh, what are you doing right now? You know, the, the D wants you to come and record with them. So I got summoned by the D. I'm like, uh, uh, okay. So... I put, like, I burned a CD, because uh-huh. I didn't have, you know, you didn't have your phones or your mm-hmm. iPod or whatever. I burned a CD of the Friendship Song, and I learned it on the subway. <laughs> and uh, then, then I went and hung out, and, you know. Oh, was just, that just, like, all live to tape, or you just kind of did? It was live to tape. And so they were yeah, there. And they were just... there, but they were amazing. They were doing, like, all the, like, you know, they were just, they were just rapping to each other on the mic, you know, right. just doing their thing, and it was hilarious. Like, they were talking to each other sure. as Tenacious D, and it wasn't even a skit, but it was hilarious, and they just, like, used whatever they, they took from I that. mean, if we look at the timeline of D drummers, it starts with Sasquatch, right. and then Tomato, and right. then Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm after Dave Grohl, but that, yeah... 
I don't, I, you might be before Dave Grohl because that's. I think that was before the record came out. No, maybe. it was after. Oh, it was after. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, because I learned the. Uh, I had to learn the uh, the, the songs. drums from. Yeah. This was after we had toured with them, so I already oh, yeah. I already knew them. But Jack Black, he he loved us, and he was just in our dressing room all the time. And those guys are the are the greatest. And uh, they would practice before every single show, uh-huh. warm up vocal melodies. They would just sing and sing, and they were so... Well, to hit know, those harmonies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're... I, I fucking love that band, too. It's a um, dream. So, I was kind of uh, low-key obsessed with Sound of Virgin <laughs> for, like, a good five years, and it, it has translated to, like, now, like... So, I have a kid... Oh, uh, nice. And every summer, like, we go to the Jersey Shore. Ah, uh, excellent. And as I'm going over that bridge, every time, yeah. I'm driving, I'm going, Seaside Heights, <laughs> New Jersey. I picked up right... And my wife looks at me, she has no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to play this song. The same routine happens every single summer. Uh, I sing this line, and she goes, what is that? And then I go, let me play you the song. And now, this past summer, she's like, yeah, you're going to play the Sound of Virgin song. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know it. Uh, another, awesome. like, urchin, like, bit that I do in my head all the time and I can't do it anymore is uh, Space Station on 4, uh, 5, and nice. 6. It's, like, such a New York City song. Yeah. And Broadway Nassau was always a Space uh. Station. <laughs> uh, but it, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> is it not Broadway Nassau anymore? It's Fulton Street. Oh, my God. So it's... so. Like I'm on the train, and I'm like, Fulton Street is a space station. It's not. It doesn't have the same ring. There's also the line, a good knish still costs yeah, a dollar. Yeah. And I don't think they sell knishes anymore in New York. And I mean, and you sub, subway, a subway token only costs dollar fifty, right? Is in New there? York used to smell like freaking knishes, yeah. man. You know, it's like knish, man. Yeah. I love a good knish. Well, shit. And you also mentioned uh, there's actually two other things in that song that I think about it that do not exist. Aerosmith. Yeah. Wicks and Sticks. Wicks and Sticks. The candle store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember that store in the mall. <laughs> yeah, you go uh, and smell the candles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> then you throw up the... You got the... Uh, but, the, like, Funny those shit. first few records um, are, like, such a... I was trying to find... What's uh, uh, all that in a Brandy, Brandy wine? Yeah, that, Brandy Alexander. Brandy, uh, yeah. Brandy Alexander. I had that record back in the day, but on Spotify it says it's 2016. There's no way that oh, record came out. Yeah, because when you re-release stuff, we, we've been reissuing stuff over the years because, uh, you know, they were on all these different labels or that album, which never actually officially was mm. distributed. So, like, once the first time that you, or first time you distribute something, like 2016, mm. that's put the date on. So even, right. like, You Are the Best, uh, they reissued it on Sony because RCA is not a label anymore. And, and so it says something like, you know, 2009 uh, or something okay. like that, you know. But yeah, it's 1998, Brandy Alexander. Yeah. Now, where would I have bought that CD? Probably from your website, I'm assuming. From us, probably. Yeah. Like us or a show, or we threw it out in the to the in the audience at the West Bend. Yeah, I I definitely had that record. Yeah. Took that record in the EP. Uh, oh, that, RGP. Yeah, that and Dean produced that. Yeah, that Mickey one? produced that. All right, tell me. How did you get involved with Ween? Uh, how did how did the two forces collide? This is you know this is again just what's such, such a great it's such a great story and it, it, you know like life is great when when things like just sort of come together you know it's really 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 wild and really amazing uh, but so I was in these other bands playing drums and mm-hmm. making the urchin stuff uh, and I was friends with Claude 
Mm. So I knew Claude through one of the bands I was in, just from the scene. Right. And, you know, we were friends, and we used to play all the time together, our bands. And um, But I didn't really know Ween too well. I had seen him play with Ween, mm. uh, and, you know, and I loved it, but I wasn't really just necessarily on my radar at the time, you know? Um, and... We, you know, we were all just in a group of musician friends together, and I made the Urchin album, mm-hmm. um, and the Brandy Alexander, you know, we just gave it out to everybody. We were just so happy about it, because people liked it. Yeah. And like I said, it was like, it was just a wild thing to see people actually like your music, and then you realize, like, well, this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? right. Isn't this what we're supposed to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And all these bands, like, doing the grind and trying to, like, you know trying to make it and all this stuff and we just made this this funny album just like because actually just which all albums like that and Ween probably too you make it because it, you make it as an anti to yeah. to that this is what I want to hear it's like what I want to do yeah this like is an F you funny yeah you know, Space Station yeah. on 4, 5, and 6 you know it's ridiculous <laughs> uh, but um, yeah so uh, it got in the hands of Mickey uh, we started playing we were playing New York and we were mm. playing New Hope because um, uh, Doody Brown lived in New Hope in Brookridge, mm. but Brookridge is the house on uh, uh, Pure Guava, the back the farm, yeah, the yeah, farm, yeah, yeah. yeah, Brookridge. So that's where we would rehearse because I was a city guy, you know. And so I'd go down there to rehearse. Doody Brown was on bass because he was Mike Hewitt's brother, right? That I, the the guy that started urchin with me, um, and then B Beal, Reverend Beal was living at Brookridge at the time. Huh. So he would come down and go, you know, he was just itching just to play and just jam with us right. while we were rehearsing. And we're like, yeah, you, back then we were just like, anyone can be in the band if they want. Sure. You know? Yeah, sure. We had a dancer, that guy with the tambourine, yeah. Richard Rickles. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, sure, you can be in the band. You know, anybody. Yeah. So that was like our attitude. And so then, like, the first, one of the first rehearsals after Bill coming down and, like, just peeking around the... You know, mm. the, the, at Brookridge, and we're like, no, come, come play, come be in the band, and then that was it. So, yeah. um, and so Mickey got a hold of the CD, and we were playing John and Peters. I hadn't met Mickey or Aaron at that time. Um, we were playing John and Peters in New York, like once a month. Uh, you know, John and Peters, yeah, yeah. the uh, the mecca. You know, yeah, went the, the Invitational. Like, yeah, sure. the Invitational, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. The Mecca is the great, greatest place and still alive today, which is great. Uh, new owners and, you know, still rock and roll. Mm. So Mickey got a hold of the CD, and he asked us to open for, up for him, for them, at West Beth. So this is after we were only five months a band. and Really? Yeah, we were only, we were only five months old as a band. Yeah. We had made the CD over like a year, but that was just fun. We didn't know we were going to sure. have a band. Put the band together just to play, because people like the shit. So right. we're like, oh, let's put a band together. Uh, Mickey asked us to open up for them. West Beth, Trocadero, um, and DC, 930 Club. Mm. And so it's three nights opening for Ween. Uh, New Year's Eve, 99, uh, 9899. Yeah. I'm like, I mean... Talk about like panic attack! Like holy shit! What are we? Is this gonna one do? of the first shows? So this was like one of the first. Well, big, shows. big. It was the yeah. biggest show I'd ever played, uh, pretty much up until that point. I mean, I was playing, touring in bands, playing small clubs, and now I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna open up for Ween on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and in front of Ween fans yeah. again. When I said before that Ween fans are the best and the worst, you know, that's just because they're hardcore. Yeah. You know, like I am too. You know, it's, you're not gonna say we're not gonna talk shit. You know. And so we were fucking terrified. We're going to get up there. 
and they're going to fucking hate us, and they're going to want their ween, and ween's going to play for two and a half hours, three hours at the time. Right. They were so punk rock back then, which they still are, but like they, back then there was a, it was a smaller thing, uh-huh. even though it was a big thing, even though it was 1,500 people, it was that which is big, it was it was very tight. Yeah. Very, like, you know, all, like, derelicts. I feel very lucky to be yeah. at that show. How did you, how did you get into ween? I was... I mean, I was, I saw them on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, that's what I it was. was. And I was like, I don't know, 14. And I was just like, what is this? Right. And then my cousin got chocolate and cheese when it came out. Right. And like, we were at camp, like at this uh, family campground. And we just sat in the cabin listening to like Man. records the whole summer. Right. And that was like one of the records that summer. And then I just became like obsessed. And then I was, I guess that show, I must have been 18 or not, I was 18 years old. And that was, uh, yeah, New Year's Eve. I was like, I'm going right. to go see Ween. That was your first that Ween show? That was my first Ween show. Oh, man, wow. You and that did. was a party. That was a party. Oh, that God. Was, did the, they play 1999 that Oh, day? yeah, right after the ball. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was and incredible. I think, I know Bill came out at the end. They had our tambourine player come yeah. out, I think. Oh, it was, they did Silly <laughs> String everywhere. Silly String. I remember the Silly String. Uh... Yeah, it was a party. That show was a party. You it guys, was a and party. you guys set that party off. Oh, man, we were terrified. I mean... it's <laughs> so funny. I was literally, like, you know, really, <coughs> like, the night before, the two days before, I was, like, sick to my stomach. Because I'm, like... I mean, we had played shows, and I had been playing for a while. Like, right. You know, CBGBs, all the New York clubs, right, right. and, you know, I, I did tour for a bit with some bands. But, like, nothing like that. Obviously, Ween. Yeah. You know, this is... This is like sacred ground, a ween stage, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and that's where I met Mickey. So, you know, Mickey's backstage like, hey, man, I really, you know, uh, I really love your music, you know. Oh. And we became friends like immediately that night um, and have been close ever since. That's really what that's what happened. But he just like I'm like, this is also crazy because before that, like instant death. Mm-hmm. was maybe one of the only other openers that Ween had had yeah. so they don't like to have openers so we're like oh my god and they gave us an hour so <laughs> yeah. we gotta go out there and do this and like okay we're gonna do this we went out there I'm like wait this is fun yeah. holy shit you know and these people are starting to like us they uh-huh. weren't booing us they liked it and and we made them we rocked them and afterwards it was just like oh shit I gotta do that again you know I can't wait and you know next night Trocadero the I bought I guess from your website, it must have been <laughs> the, like you put out, like if you want a copy of this show, oh. you can buy, I, I'm one of the people, I don't know how many people bought CDs, right. but I am one of those people oh, that awesome. bought that show. Now <laughs> it's in a binder that's in storage right? and it, it was like a burned disc. Yeah. So I don't even know if those will play anymore right? because they only last like, like burned discs only last <laughs> like 12 years. Then. Yeah. Like your early burned disc, but that's. Uh, yeah, like you converted people. Right. That uh, and that was, was another thing that, that like we realized was like, you know, wow, hey man, like people really like us. You know, it's a very strange thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm saying it almost as like a, as an outsider. You know, it's like this is crazy. Like I've been, I've been grinding with all these bands, and then I, I do something that's just like, really what, just really like, you know what I just I don't know just fun and what we you know just natural mm. yeah. and people like it and uh, and then we rocked the crowd and I was like holy shit this is amazing yeah and then you know from then on like we uh, uh, you know I started I started like 
really wanting to spread the word. So that's what we did. We, you know, we did a lot of like web stuff and mm-hmm. back that kind of stuff. Like you know, sell Smart. sell CDs or give give away CDs and send them out. And um, one thing led to another. Uh, you know, it's a longer process than than I'm talking about it now. But we ended up getting signed to RCA by mm-hmm. the guy that signed Ween. And that was a little bit of this, like, you know, same kind of weird, weird thing. Somebody got a hold of our CD, this manager who was, like, crazy dude. And he's like, I want to manage you, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, you know, cool, awesome. Like, same thing. Like, yeah, sure, you can manage us. You managed, uh, you know, all these bands and, you know, you're, yeah, you can manage us. That's great. So he got a hold of our CD and he was friends with... Like, almost simultaneously, he was friends with Ween's A&R guy, and it's all business shit, but he he said, I heard, uh, you know, I heard this band, Sound of Virgin, and I'm, I'm, I want to manage them, and then the A&R guy goes, oh, that's so crazy, because my friend Mickey from Ween just said, you know, you got to check these guys out, Sound of Virgin, so then it was like, just, that's how it happened. That's serendipity. Yeah, it was just yeah. serendipity. All, everything kind of was like that back then, you know. Um, and yeah, that was that was what happened. Yeah. Uh, cool. What I love about you guys, and it's also one of the same things I love about Ween, is that um, not afraid to be funny in uh, rock and roll. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of bands that are like dreadfully serious, and I love them. I love yeah. how serious they are, but I also love how fun and playful um, Sound of Virgin is, and and Ween is, and I've always cited in my life. Like I'm a comedian. Like uh, you know, the rest of our group we're all like comedians like we're oh, making nice. it work we're, right. we're actors we've been doing it forever and you know people always ask who are your comedy influences and mine right. it's like you know it's will ferrell it's, yeah you know jack black it's chris farley it's <laughs> ween it's right. mad magazine it's like these are like like ween is in my comedy influences right um oh shit some what? of that stuff is so yeah. fucking funny man and it's like i'm in the mood to move like yeah <laughs> why like why why did you did you as a band choose to allow comedy in? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's kind of that same thing, and Bill has that too, and 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 you know, every and Mickey, like, you know, even just hooking up with Mickey and, and Aaron back then was just like, of course. Because I was doing the same thing in Rockland County that they were doing in New Hope right. for tracking and funny stuff and right. figuring out and, you know, slowing my voice down. And, you know, everything that we were doing, I mean, we have the exact same, you know, influences. It's mm. just like, it, like they would have been my, my friends in high school. Right. And you're all basically like the same age. Same age. Yeah. And we would have been friends in high school, like, but I didn't grow up with them. Sure. You know, I didn't grow up in New Hope. And my friends in high school were like them, and I had my my you know my ween, which was yeah, you know, yeah. my different you know I had yeah. my ween, my friend that would come over, and many different weens I had, you know. Uh, and so the whole thing is, is that you know you take your music, and ween probably will say the same thing, is that you take your music extremely seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously at all, yeah. you know. Fuck that, yeah. you know. So the the comedy part of it is is just uh, is that it's like. You know, I want to have some fun, and plus, it's kind of like, you know, it's fun to be a troll, you know? Yeah. Like, just oh, yeah. troll a little bit, yeah. you know? Like, not on purpose, but just like, you know, throw, throw a little wrench and, throw, you know, dig in to... Right, to, figure, figure out where the line is, step over the line sometimes. Yeah, yeah. and people, people take themselves way too seriously, and you need, you know, we always used to say on tour that, like, we're, we have the bullshit detector, we're like, 
you know it's all you know like don't take yourself that seriously. We're here to balance. Right. You know, Ween's there to balance. Like, it, it, that's why Ween is so amazing. It's just they're like, they're carrying the weight. It's like you have one side of the scale that's like, you know, hivey, douchey people. Uh-huh. Like, all, you know, all over the fucking globe. And then there's Ween over here balancing it out. That is so fucking <laughs> true. Um, so we're proud and always, always, never, ever take it for granted. Mickey is the greatest dude and never take him or Aaron or his music or never ever take them for granted I mean we don't ever you know no matter how much uh, you know over the years like there's respect you know you got any uh, (laughs) any crazy ween stories crazy ween stories oh I mean I probably have a thousand shit can I get another coffee yep is that possible you don't have to edit that out (laughs) Uh, crazy ween stories well, the one story I like to tell, which is really funny, it's not crazy. I mean, I got crazy ween stories, but, but you know. <laughs> One's not going to get anyone in trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, this is a good one. This is, this is one I, I like to tell because it's, uh, it, it's, it's a fun Mickey story and it's totally Mickey. Sure. So back in the early days of Urchin, Mickey was everywhere. Like, he, just as he is now, like, he loves to play. Right. That's it. It's all about music. Always first music. Right. So we would just jam. I'd be down in New Hope like every weekend or whenever I could. And, you know, just all the time. We just jam in Brookridge. Mm. And, you know, he'd go over there and wake those guys up and just say, come on, we're jamming, we're jamming. Oh, that's great. And that's what we would do all the freaking time. And then we had a practice space in in Jersey. And that's where we would meet in the middle Uh from me becoming... me uh, Me and Scotty, the guitar player, lived in the city... And then Bill and Dudu lived in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 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 just the first place. Uh, they lived in Brookridge. Right. So we, our practice space was in New Jersey, and Mickey used to come down with them, and we jam. And that's just all we did was just jam all the time. It really was like that. It was fun to think about a time back when that was yeah. like really what you were doing. And that was your life. Yeah. Just jamming, you know. Thanks, man. And uh, so Mickey came to our rehearsal space and he's like, hey man, I want to show you this song. It's a ween throwaway, you know, but you know, you guys can have it. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> and, uh, um, and it was uh, Someday. Get out. You know, yeah. yeah. And so he teaches, uh, you know, what Tuesday is pizza day, you know, <laughs> and he teaches us the song. It's like, no, no, you got to play it like this. You got to play it this, you know. So he's teaching us a song and yeah. tro- tr- you know, true Mickey style. When he's got a plan, you're going with the plan. Yeah. And that's just, that's it, yeah. you know. Um, so uh, he taught us someday, and we played it in the in the in the rehearsal space, and and then like I guess he realized that it was like a, a great song, and then <laughs> took it back from us, <laughs> but never told us because all of a sudden Ween starts playing it again, yeah. and then it becomes like you know it's like it's it's a Ween favorite, a oh, Ween yeah. fan favorite, hell yeah, know? they love it, you know. Tuesday's Pizza Day. Oh, that's Shinola record. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But this is like, this is, yeah, this is 2001 or 2000. Oh. Right around that, then. So he taught us to play it. Like, oh, it's going to be an urchin song. Oh my God, Mickey gave us a song. This is freaking amazing. <laughs> he gave us a ween throwaway. But it become, ends up becoming, uh, you know, a fan classic for them. Well, you, you guys <laughs> just had to sweeten it up, make it sound real pretty. He's like, oh, yeah, this we is We never a played it out or anything, but it's just a funny story because it's, like, it's true, true Mickey style. Um, but, man, other crazy ween stories. I mean, I'm trying to... Th- I mean, there's so many. And then I was... Me and Bill played in the Moist Boys, so there's crazy Moist Boys stories. Too. Yeah, which which records did you play on with the no, Moist Boys? None. 
Just played played out. We were live. just on the live band, yeah. Well, most of the uh, Moist Boy stuff is drum machine and Mickey playing all the instruments. So right, it's right. Mickey and Guy that go out, and some of it uh, it was Claude on drums. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, a few of the albums has Claude on drums and the drum machine mm. uh, together or separate. Um, but yeah, we played in the in, in the band. In the how do you, how band. do you feel about that drum machine? Like deep down, as a drummer, I understand. Uh, like yeah. I understand, like. The necessity for it is like right. if you're just you know making demos, you know if you're just a kid with a guitar, it's like right. you need a drummer. Drum machine works. Yeah. How do you, as a drummer, as a great drummer, right? How does it make you feel? Well, I think like um, I, the way Mickey uses it is incredible. Yeah. Because again, it's that comedy. Like anything, music, comedy, anything. If you inf- you infuse it, it's like anything. Just talking, like you know, like. The words that you say have nothing to do with like mm. like really what's coming out, right. you know. So music is like that too, and drum machines are like that. So drum machines it used in any other way suck for the most part, yeah. you know. I mean, especially like today where everything is just quantized. Uh-huh. You know, even even drums are drum machines now because it, they just take you know they take a kick drum you playing live, they take a kick drum and they put a sample over it. So it ends up becoming a drum machine. That's true. Take the snare drum and throw a sample over it, and you got this. So everything is the drum machine level. So you're playing to give it somewhat of a live feel, and then you know over the top is the drum machine aspect. But Ugh. Mickey, Mickey can. Inf- <laughs> and I'm kissing his ass on a, on a pod- <laughs> podcast here, but it's, it's just the truth. Mickey can throw. Something in that drum machine where you just hear it, like on blackjack, yeah, you know, or whatever, yeah, or yeah. Moist Boys too, you know. Even though Moist Boys is 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 pretty like serious, I guess you know it's serious. It's infused with this uh-huh. like something that's just fucked up, you know. Hell yeah, <laughs> and like twe- the tweaker, it's like so over the top, and that's Mickey, you know, you know. Well, he's not a bad drummer himself either. Yeah, he's a good drummer. Oh, he's got a he's got a crazy. He's got a crazy rhythm, yeah. My favorite... So I have this playlist uh, that I've been working on for like 10 years. And uh, the challenge that I gave myself was it's going to be a thousand songs. Ugh. And I can only pick one song by each artist. So I can't have 10 Beatles songs. These oh, are wow. a thousand of the greatest songs. Right. So how do I do it? Yeah. So uh, I had to pick my Sound of Virgin song. Oh, man. Nice. So I went with... I, it's a toss-up for me. Uh, my favorite song of yours today is Cross the Clouds. Oh, nice. Like that fucking cool. song kills. Now, the other one, which is right behind it, is uh, Millipede and Beggar. Oh, nice. Like The heavy shit. The, oh, my God. The thrash metal <laughs> stuff. All day. That's cool. All day. And I, uh, on my drive over here, I was listening to uh, Rejoice, the new record again. <sighs> and, oh, fuck. I forgot the name of the song. We live in a world now where no one knows song titles anymore. I know, I know. Uh, hold on, I'm going to tell you exactly what it was. I like that across the cloud, though. That's cool. Oh, my... All reality has changed. Oh, all reality, yeah. That's a fun one. Is oh, that the one? The so end of it is, is like a crazy jam at the end of that song? Oh, man. There's, there's so much cool shit about that album. That's uh, that's Bill and Seahag. We were so road-like tested Mm -hmm. we had done so much time by that time we had just done the country like we it was normal for us to just do the country you know and then we come home and then we do the country again like it was just normal I don't know how we did it we'd start tours 
uh, like the Tenacious D tour was uh, was also a Mike Watt tour. We toured with Mike Watt, and then we broke off from Mike Watt and toured with Tenacious D, and then came back with Mike Watt. Huh. And so we started the Mike Watt tour. Those are different crowds. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I know. Which is weird because yeah. like, we kind of became like chameleons. Like, yeah. So we'd play some some of our stuff that we wouldn't play for one crowd. Right. Another. It was kind of weird actually because well, we were trying gotta to be find the, the funnier stuff because you don't want to you had to play some of the funnier lighter stuff maybe. Yeah. For the D crowd and the the Watt crowd, you can play some of the more. Esoteric songs or yeah, harder like, rocket songs. Yeah, it was like that. So we were so we were we just became this road monster where we just knew mm. each other so well. We could just get up on a stage and, and, and fucking play. All realities was was like so glad that that exists because that is what we did for that album. We said, okay, we're going to record this album completely different. We're going to go into the, we we took the songs out on tour before we went into the studio. Mm. So they became road ready. Yeah. You know, because what happens is you, you, you make an album and then you go tour it and then the songs get better. Right. They so we wanted yeah. to try something different. Uh, went into the studio, Stratosphere Studio, where we recorded the Diamond. And we recorded like nine takes of every song live without any vocals, just mm. like, just bashed out the songs. Uh, and then we all had like democratic uh, votes on what's the best... Uh, take out of right. the nine takes that we did, um, and all reality was was like one of those that we did that we did all them all that way. But for that song, we just would jam at the end and see what happened, and like that was captured on that. It's, and it's like nine minutes of us just fucking it's jamming. Yeah. And Bill and Seahag left and right are just talking to each other mm-hmm. on the guitars, and it's like I can still listen to that, and it's the most. It, nothing was written down. Nothing was all improvised, and it's just. Yeah, I'm literally driving over here, and that jam is playing. Blast! I'm blasting it Ooh. in my Toyota Prius. Nice. <laughs> and then every like two minutes, would be like right turn onto Garfield. Oh, shit, like, shut up! <laughs> so, yeah, like, shut up! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hear it. Yeah, um, you are the best. You you are the best. Was recorded completely differently because like Cross the Cloud. Mm. We that was in response. That was our first RCA record, which you know probably the stupidest thing for a band ever to do is to record the way we recorded our first major label album because we we wanted to do it against the cookie cutter bands that were Mm. coming out at the time so we went in with Flaming Lips producer Keith Cleversley and we said what we want to do is we want to make it sound like a mixtape so we want to record a song and then mix it and then record a song and then mix it so we finished every song for the album we just thought this is what we were going to do like and we did it but every song does sound different like Zen Magic Marker we're going to go into that world, mm-hmm. record it, mix it. Cross the cloud. I'm like, I want to have Motley Crue, Vince Neil, like, sounding vocals on this. That's my, my, my Vince Neil. And like Neil. that backwards drum, the, the backwards right. drum loops in there. Like right. All day. Yeah. Give, so the, Give me that all day. And, and it I'm confused the hell out of the record label. And But we didn't, we didn't really know any better. Right. It wasn't a thing. And they weren't upset about it. It wasn't a big deal at all. It was just like... We realized that shit, we're really confusing people. No one, like, what is this band? Like, oh, you don't get it? We're just, you know, we're just making songs. Um, so you deal with, in the world of Ween, the more I'm like, I'm oh, yeah. learning, like, you're dealing more. Mickey seems to be the one that's out there, um, that's getting his hands dirty every day in the right. And Aaron seems like he's off. In his place, yeah. Uh, any any Aaron stories that you know? Aaron stories. Wow. I mean, he was around a lot in the early days, mm. 
Um, and no, he is that guy. He is, I mean, he's a freaking genius, yeah. you know? And, uh, but he's that guy. He's quiet. He's always quiet. Um, and, and, you know, anytime I've, I've, you know, I've hung out with him, like, he's just that guy, you yeah. know? He, he's just as sweet as the guy that you think he is. Yeah. Uh, and he's funny, and, and, but he, he keeps to himself and did back then. Yeah. Uh, Mickey's out there and just playing all the freaking time, and, yeah. and that's that's what works. Uh, you know, in the early days, you know, there was a lot of parties at Brookridge, and you know, Aaron was just, um, you know, just totally, just right. exactly. Even when he's back then, when he was when he was uh, drinking, he was just as you know, just as sweet right. and and normal and and mild mannered than right. he is. And but a lot of it was like. You know, a lot of it was jamming. And, you know, Aaron would come to a lot of the shows. Aaron and Mickey, this is before Aaron had a kid. Mm-hmm. So when Aaron had a kid, that's really mm-hmm. when, like, Anna, uh, Ashton. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really when, like, he sort of just, uh, we didn't see him as much. Yeah. You know. And then Mickey ended up having a kid later, but Mickey was still always, just always jamming. Right. Um, that's White Pepper time around there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I played, I played a ween, I, I got to play drums with ween. Ooh, I played ween. this, uh, I played, it's on, uh, it's on YouTube. I played, um, their high school, Soulberry High School. Get out. Yeah. They did a benefit for somebody. It's, yeah, you should see it online. Me yeah. and Bill played a whole set with ween. Claude had moved to England at the time. Uh-huh. And Mickey, of course, still wanted to play. Yeah. You know? So, uh, this is White Peppers, like, like. One of the first times they played a bunch, a bunch of those songs out, mm-hmm. and so he asked me to drum, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm fucking, I'm gonna play Buckingham Green, holy <laughs> yeah. shit, goosebumps yeah. coming out of the monitor that you know, like almost like tears like, yeah. when I'm playing, like here Mickey and Glenn, like that's what we opened up with, I think, the Grobe, uh, Pandy Fackler." Played all the White Pepper stuff. Oh, I'm gonna find this show. Yeah, yeah, it's on, it's on yeah. YouTube. I mean, the whole show is on there. It's like one of those. So we played Gabrielle. Uh, like first time they played that live, we played. It was called Dickie Betts at the time. Uh, the almonds. The almonds. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. We played that. We played Fire on the Mountain, and Bill sang it. Um, we played. Uh, well, we played a bunch of stuff off of White Pepper. Um, at the at the time, but that was like. I mean, that was just. You know, there's nothing like that, especially as a fan too. Is just to sit there and play drums and hear. Aaron come out of the, the monitor, huh. hear Mickey come out of the monitor playing those licks. That's what I live like, for, man. Holy shit. I live for those shows. Unfucking real. Um so Tomato, you got yeah. uh how's the house of is the house of rock happening? Oh, no, I closed it. You closed it? Yeah, I closed it. I closed it a few years ago. Ah. Yeah. Because I'm waiting, I was about to say, when can my three and a half year old oh, get man. in there and start rocking? Well, uh, you know, the the thing was, so Urchin was just touring and touring and touring. And as we were doing all that, then the music business just dissolved. Yeah. And the thing about it, again, you know, I have nothing bad to say about the music business. In fact, it's a real shame because if you really think about it, and I know, like, there's shitty deals and everyone talks about shitty deals you watch behind the music, mm. or all bands talk about how they got screwed over. The thing is, they were giving you money that wasn't a that wasn't a loan essentially. Right. They're giving you money Some upfront, upfront forward. money. Hopefully that you're gonna pay it back with your album sales. Right. You know, and that's where you get pissed off once you start selling millions of albums. But for us, we were just 
we didn't spend a lot of the label money and we, you know, they, the first thing on our, our contract was like, okay, here's this amount of money you're going to buy a van. Here's this amount of money you're going to get new equipment. Here's this amount of money it's to record your EP. Mickey's going to produce it, you know? Of course, yeah, definitely. Let's do this fucking right. shit, you know? And, you know, and here's money that you're going to go on the road. Keep your, keep your jobs. Don't spend this money, right. you know? Everything's allotted for something. And it was really smart. Yeah. And it kept us alive. As that was happening, we were recording You Are the Best, and Napster comes in. Uh. And we're using it, you know? I was like, I saw, like, Green Green Gold and Urchin songs on Napster. I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. Yep. Somebody over in Hawaii is listening to fucking Green Green Gold. And I was, like, downloading all this illegal music, mm-hmm. you know? But what happened, we didn't realize what was happening. What was happening is that the music business couldn't survive like almost immediately about a year later we're recording or two years later we're recording the diamond uh and like everyone that we knew was getting fired like so people like you and me were getting fired from the record label right not bands you know bands were getting dropped but they would do away with the whole department in the well yeah i mean and a and r is like it it hardly even exists anymore because it's Mm -hmm. people looking who's got the most YouTube views that's it and let's sign them right and that's because they don't have any money you know and like like even what they gave us was nothing compared to what they were giving these other bands that they would sign we toured with like a lot of those TRL bands which was funny too though I have more stories about TRL (laughs) (laughs) you know Wayne stories you can just imagine they're just they're Wayne stories (laughs) but like touring with a TRL band like asking for like girls to give panties like you know to get in the the uh, tour bus after the show oh boy like unfucking real the, the debauchery that we saw you know were you guys also open for like public enemy right? yeah I just yeah, saw yeah. you posted a picture the uh, other day of you and Flavor we were the crazy chameleons man we toured with Deep Purple and the Scorpions and Dio oh we that was one summer and we played we didn't tour with public enemy we played with them we toured with Fishbone and slightly stupid, we toured with these TRL bands like Lit, you know, like. You want to know something? Lit is a band that Evan on our podcast oh. would have liked. Oh, where's Evan, man? Yeah. Let me talk to the guy. So that's why we had to put him in the headphones and get him into weed because he loved bands like oh, Lit. That's cool. Good for him. Yeah, but like. <laughs> I mean, we would make fun of them. Like, get my, we, we would turn that song into Lunchables. Yeah. You know, Lunchables. Like, get my Lunchables. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so we, where, where were we even going with this shit? Oh, just awesome just rock and roll stories. Um, oh, yeah. So I think, Mikey, how are we? Uh, 48 minutes in. So, all right. So, all right. What, what were we talking about, though? We were talking about something. Uh, A&R... We got YouTube clicks. We got, we're going on oh, tour. Oh, Tomatoes the- House of Rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So what happened was is every, everything was dissolving in front of our eyes in, in the music business. Right. Like, oh, this is what we signed up for. Not, not that we wanted just them to give us money, but, like, again, everybody was getting fired. Like, people that worked for the companies, like, right. you know, let alone the bands or anything else. Like, so we, uh, you know... When we came home from tour, like, you know, everyone, like, had to really, like, find jobs because it just wasn't, money wasn't coming yeah. in on in the music side. And we were touring and touring and spending. Um, and we, we still managed to get record deals, but it was just, like, it was everything went straight, you know, no, nothing went to our rent or anything like that, right. you know? It's going back to the label. 
Yeah, 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 right. So, and, you know, so that's like 2005, I started teaching. So in between tours and touring and everything else, I started teaching. And then I, uh, then CHAG, uh, got a call from this, this dude he knew, knew at School of Rock, or that started the School of Rock. And he's like, God, you know, you want to work at the School of Rock, you know, you want to open up the School of Rock in New York. And so me, CHAG, Dryowitz, Metzger, um, uh, Tom Hamilton, uh, man, all these guys, everybody, we all we all taught at the School of Rock. Is that like now? I, I'm good it. friends with Stephanie Sanders. Oh yes, right, right. So she, was she at School of Rock? No, or she, she wasn't. Okay, no, You're, but we knew Stephanie from yeah. from the whole crew. Yeah, but from actually from like Rana back mm. then, you know, which was Metzger and and those guys. That was his band in the yeah. like you know uh, early 2000s. Um, but no, she wasn't, but yeah, it was still the same crew. We had every, all of our friends, right. two skinny J's, like everyone we knew in New York, we all just worked there. It was like, great. That's great. And then yeah. they allowed us to tour. It was like, that was the idea, you know? And I ended up then running the school, uh, like a couple of years later once I started there mm-hmm. then they sold the company. Uh, they sold the school of rock to like Sylvan Learning Center. So oh. it became fucking corporate. Oh, franchisey no. Sylvan Learning Center is going to buy the School of Rock what the hell's going on so I started Tomato Sassa Rock and I kept that going for seven years and you know had a blast with it we did some amazing stuff we, we did a Gene Ween show with the kids we did a Chris Harford show with the mm-hmm. kids Joe Russo played uh, you know one of our shows with the kids so it was the same kind of thing all my, all my friends everybody in the music community uh, we did stuff, right. you know. Dryowitz did, did, you know, did stuff with the, the kids and, and just whatever, whatever we wanted to do, we just went and did it, right. you know. Um, but after seven years of it, I was just burnt. Yeah, I got, I, I lost like, I lost like, like a spark, you know, like it was. Well, you're yeah, because you're working it full time. It's like. It's a small business, man. That's got to be tough in this town. Yeah, I was customer service, and I was the teacher, and I was dealing with, like, parents that the trends started getting so much more spoiling the kids. Mm. In 2005 to, you know, 2015, 10 years was a, a big difference. Big culture sh- big, like shift. Yeah, yeah, like helicopter parents, and you got to give my parent, you got you to give my kid everything that he wants. And I'm like, no, I can't. This is rock and roll. I need That's not what it's solo about. solo like Jimmy Page right, right. now. You, you, yeah. you got to make him Jimmy Page. Like, yeah. Why isn't he Jimmy Page? And, yeah. Oh, God. It was like, it, that part of it really, it, it, just, it just kept digging at me, you know? I see it. Yeah. And so I closed it. I, I said, I'm fucking going out. We did it. There was nothing wrong with the business. I still had two schools going on. I mean, wasn't making money because it just everything went back into the business. Sure. But one June, we had our last show, and in my head, I'm like, this is the last show I'm ever fucking doing at this school. These, they don't know it. Fuck right. you. That's rock and roll. Bye. And uh, sent an email out to, to the parents and said, you know, in August, we're not reopening in September. That's it. Done. Did any of those kids from, like, 2005, are they playing bands? Oh, yeah. They're all playing, which is a good thing. That's great. They're all playing. They're, they're, they're touring. They're playing. Look at I got. I don't want to sit here and, and, and diss, you know, the culture or whatever. The the thing, the round of ten years from 2005 from School of Rock to Thor, like the, the ten years of it, I saw, you know, a kid go from like 12 to 22. Yeah. 
And that was enough of a round. Like, I couldn't do another round. Like, I was starting to do other rounds. Sure. Kids coming in, you know, younger. So when my first kids, you know, like, got into their early 20s, ended up in college, jamming, touring, doing amazing stuff. Uh, everyone's out there, which yeah. is great. They're, like... I hear from my kids and they tell me, yeah, I'm on tour, you know, or I see them on Facebook, I'm on tour, like, you know, they're doing, they're doing it, That's you know? great. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, but it was just enough, really. All right, so to kind of wrap up. Yeah, man. Know, what, um, what's next, man? Where can people find uh, music? Where can they right. buy some stuff? Well, now we're, you know, we reissued Rejoice and Black Castle, which never officially got distributed. Mm. So we just got those out this summer. And that's all, like, to finalize everything is on Spotify and Apple Music and uh, all the streaming, all the iTunes, fully distributed, soundofurchin.com. You know, we have vinyl and we have all our stuff to sell there. Mm. Um, so everything is out now. Everything. It's got to feel good. It finally, yeah. like, with all the labels, like, you know, when the labels go, even RCA... Well, then you're not on, maybe you're not on iTunes anymore. Right. This album is and this album is right. and You know, we were on another label, Hybrid Records, after that, and they just don't even exist anymore. Right. Like, RCA got taken over by Sony, but, um, you know, and so we have to figure out, we had to figure out a way, like all bands are doing, mm. you figure out a way to get your stuff available to people, you know? So now everything's available, and me and Bill are working on new stuff, and the... <laughs> The thing that's fucked up is is we're working on 50 songs. We have 50 songs. Mamma mia. Yeah. And so it's essentially three albums. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. After I closed Thor, for the past two years, I've just been sinking it into writing music. Great. And like, you know, so we have we have 50 songs. We don't know what the hell we're going to do. Now, are any of these songs Cross the Clouds Part 2? Ah. Because that is what one particular fan ah. is looking for. I think so. I cannot wait for it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I, would, I would, you know... Some of it's pretty, yeah. One album is like real, real space themed. Sweet. It's real spacey, not like psychedelic, but it's just it sounds like, like it just it, it's it's more space rock. I don't know. Uh, one album is like total like fucking urchin rock and roll, and then another album is 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 kind of mellow. So I don't know what we're gonna do. We might have to make another. You are the best, and just take the best songs and throw them in. You just, know, make one album. Yeah. But, like, uh, like a big old mixtape. I'm glad you like Cross the Cloud, man. Yeah, That's man. a good one. <laughs> uh, Tomato, thank you so much, man. Thanks, man. Peace. Dude, tell Evan uh, to, you know, listen to some ween. Yeah, goddamn <laughs> right, Evan. Listen to more ween. <laughs> This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. Hey there, this is producer Mikey, just with another reminder that God We Nevin is proudly sponsored by Nugs.net. Nugs.net is the destination for live music on demand. They have a growing collection of over 15,000 full-length concert recordings, so you'll never run out of live music to explore. 
You can listen to a show from last night or from 40 years ago. It's available on desktop, iOS, and Android apps, Sonos, and Blue OS. I do not know. Just like us, the folks at Nugs.net are live music fanatics. So they're offering new subscribers a 35% discount on all annual subscriptions. Go to Nugs.net backslash Godween Evan and sign up today. That's Nugs.net backslash Godween Evan and sign up today. Thanks for listening. Oh, no, we didn't know. We all were